2: The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show, well, it's all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, or really anything else you can think of, you've come to the right place. That's what we do here. We take your calls and we answer your questions about all of those things and many more. In fact, anything that has to do with you and your business and your money, And uh, we're going to get to those calls and questions in just a little bit. But before we do, I have a little bit of an open I want to talk about today. And this is one of those topics that, based on my feedback, I know I'm on the right track. And, And I fought this topic for a long time, thinking that it wasn't a part of what we did here. Because our primary focus is business and the business of trucking. And then secondary is the trucking lifestyle, everything that goes along with that. And I fought the idea of talking about health. But based on my feedback, people either absolutely love when I talk about this topic or they absolutely hate it. And honestly, that lets me know I'm on the right track. If we're in the middle, I'm probably just compromising on most things when i have people who love what we're doing and people who hate what i'm doing it, it usually is a much more important topic and it's going to help more people so just to let you know though the 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 show will always be about business and trucking but i have to say that if i could give you one piece of advice to help you in your business or your career in trucking it would be to start working just a little bit on your health every day. And that's my overriding message on this. Don't don't make it so difficult. Don't even make it a little difficult. Start so slow that you won't even notice. And I'm going to give you a couple ideas on that today. But I, but I want to let you know, just personally, for me, I've been through this times in my life, up and down, staying healthy, eating right, then getting busy at work and putting it off. And not realizing it until I get to the point where I notice that I'm not being very productive anymore. And sometimes it, I've gone years. And, and I'm, I'm going to quit that. Um, when I look at 2014, the company itself, Let's Truck, had an amazing year in 2014. But if I'm honest with myself, it wasn't because of me. It was because of the work of the rest of the Let's Truck team. Aaron and and Lisa did tremendous things last year. Uh, All of our employees and partners helped out tremendously. And if I look at my production, it, it was really bad. Like one of the worst years I had, but I didn't notice it because I was busy. I was busy all the time. Busy doesn't cut it, though. Production results are what count. I, I teach that stuff and and I look back at my production and my results in 2014 and they're pretty poor. But about six months ago, uh, yeah, about that, I started making tiny little changes, didn't even really talk about them at all uh, to anybody. It, it, they were so small, I didn't think they were going to make any difference. and. They led me to other changes, and it really felt kind of effortless. I I didn't feel like I was depriving myself. I didn't feel like I was working any harder at health and fitness. I just made little changes over time, exactly the way I tell people to work on their business or to work on their fuel mileage. Slow down your speed one mile per hour for a month sometimes couple weeks at least, and then one more mile per hour. It's the same concept. It works so well. And I started those little things about six months ago. And the momentum built in about two months ago or so, actually a little more around December, middle of December, I started accelerating the pace because it didn't feel hard. It, it, in fact, I was excited about it. And I have to tell you that in that six months, My health has improved tremendously. I'll give you a couple of quick numbers, but it's really not the numbers I would focus on too much. My weight, I dropped uh, roughly 30 pounds in that six months. My body fat went from the low to mid 20% range. Um, This week, I'm down around 13% body fat. My goal is to keep it under 10 and, and at the same time build Lean muscle mass. So I really don't pay attention to the scale and I don't really count calories at all. I just make sure that I'm getting exercise, I- including weight training, which is crit- critically important, and eating the right foods. And, and that's it. And then I do watch my body fat percentage occasionally. I, I go get it measured uh, professionally. Otherwise, I use a body fat scale just to keep an eye on the pattern. Now, Again, the, the numbers are wonderful for me to talk about. I don't think anybody else cares much, but the results in, in work and life are the amazing part. My production, no kidding, has quadrupled. I have never I, I have done more, more productive work and gotten more results on things that I had been putting off for a long, long time, and they really needed to get done. Those are virtually cleaned up now and done. I've created some great new ideas or really actually went back to ideas that I had before and really started getting some results around those ideas. And I, I have produced or accomplished more since the beginning of December and really uh, since about the middle of February or or January or so, than I did all of last year, and and that's not an exaggeration. My results and my productivity have skyrocketed, and it, it's affected not only me and the business and the people who follow us, but it's affected virtually everybody in my life, the people I love. And you know, I one of the things I don't want to become is one of those fanatics. It, it I just want you to just think about your health because nothing else matters if you can't stay healthy. And our lifestyle in this country is so bad in general. And then the trucking lifestyle, I believe, is about four times worse. It it is totally clear to me now why the average lifespan of a male career truck driver is less than 60 years old. Now I get it. And the good news is once you get it, you can start making some changes. Now, here's the thing. Again, I'm not going to turn this show into a health and fitness show. Once in a while, I, I would like to just throw out some ideas quickly and then let you know that we cover these things in much more detail and in depth every Friday afternoon on uh, Kim, Kim's new podcast, which is called Destination Health. And I'll give you some details about that in a minute, but you can always find that information on our website, which is letstruck.com. You can find show hours and call-in numbers. And Kim has been gracious enough to give me some time on her show. And I'd like to become a regular guest on her show. It not, and just, to kind of give you a series of, of what I'm working on and what I've learned, I, I'm approaching this exactly the way I approach trucking. Kim is so qualified to do that show, and my little piece of it will be what my strength is. And I think most of you know my strength is doing tons of research and then, you know, kind of condensing that down into something that makes sense and people can understand. And that's the part of the show I want to play on, on Destination Health is, is, you know, once a week or however often Kim will have me in to come in and just take the research that I've done and bring the simplest parts of it to help you. So let's do that today. And then uh, we'll get to a break. And then we'll come back and get to right to your calls. So let me give you my new overriding mantra thought process on health and fitness. I am forgetting everything I thought I knew about health and nutrition. I, I, nutrition. I, I can't believe how wrong I was and how wrong so many people are on this topic and the good news is there's a way to figure all this stuff out with all the hype and all the garbage that's out there. And that's something I'm going to talk a lot about on Kim's show in the beginning. But I, just just have an open mind. Forget what you think you know and be willing to look at some new things. And then we need to use some common sense. And most importantly, listen to our own bodies and see what works. I want to give you a couple of things, though, to just be thinking about. Drink more water and start working on eliminating most other beverages out of your diet. Get your gut healthy. I can't tell you how important this is, and there's so much new research coming out showing this to be true. Your your gut needs three things to get better. Fiber, probiotics, and movement. That's it. And then work on eliminating processed foods. We're minimizing and also especially processed sugars. We'll talk a lot about that this Friday on Kim's show. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rothford. As promised, we're going to get right to the phone calls. Let's start off in Massachusetts today. Ron, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, Kevin, man. It's nice and clear up here today, even though it snowed last night. And, uh, yeah, we're just cruising on through.
2: Excellent. Uh, same thing here, you know, um, I, I love the weather here in the gorge, the Columbia River Gorge, and, and one of the things you realize you, you just kind of have to put up with is that typically, you know, from about November to literally almost June most years, it, it's what we call winter, which is really mild, but a lot of rain here in the gorge, just that little drizzle, misty stuff all day long, and I don't know what happened. Um, you know, like the East coast is getting pounded with, with real winter weather, the weather here in Oregon has kind of changed too. We've been really, really clear, sunny, beautiful blue skies and and just kind of, well, cool, but you know, days are getting up into the mid fifties and and nights are dropping down into the low thirties, but I, I couldn't ask for better weather
3: yeah well um I think that that big huge earthquake that caused the tidal wave in Japan I think it made the earth wobble, and that's what we're seeing over the past few years as far as the the polar vortex you know that happened last year and all these uh you know changes in timing of the weather uh the Inuit Indians uh say it's uh their 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 sky has changed. And, uh, yeah. that's kind of an indication that the earth is on a little wobble, kind of like a top that gets, uh, momentarily interrupted, you know, it wobbles a little bit and then it comes back and spins.
2: Yeah. Very cool. You know, and that, that's certainly entirely possible. It, it makes more sense than most of the, uh, climate change stuff we've been hearing about for years. Um, well, as far as I'm concerned, I know the East coast is, has had some brutal winter, but, uh, as far as the weather here in the gorge, let it wobble away.
3: Yep. Uh, you know, it's the integrity of, of the whole system, you know, the earth's system and everything. And I kind of want to segue into that, you know, integrity, uh, in us in everything that we do, you know, whether whether it's, um, doing our own sports or doing our own health and fitness, or if it's doing business, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different thought processes and a lot of different opinions about how to think about things and how to make decisions. And I wanted to bring up the ethical thought process and how it can affect your business, you know, by making, uh, making unethical decisions. You know, they come back to bite you in the butt when you're not making good ethical decisions doing your taxes. You might get away with it for a while, but Eventually, it's going to catch up to you, and and in communication, uh, there's a lot of unethical things that we say, uh, or, or just wrong things that we say, and, and that's going to come back. Sooner or later, you know, the guy that you're chewing up today might be the, the, the butt that you kiss tomorrow in, in this world, and a lot of people should start thinking about that, especially when they're talking about brokers. And they're talking about, you know, the the large carriers that everybody likes to bash. Um, You never know. You might end up having to work for one of them one day.
2: Yeah, that's a very good point. Just the whole idea of ethics in business, you know, in general. And and I'm a believer that, that almost everything in life, and even like we were just talking about the weather, just about everything is cyclical. It goes up and down and it swings from sometimes from extreme to extreme. And one of the things we saw, I believe, kind of starting in the 80s and 90s was the extremes in business of profit is everything, greed. And, 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 you know, I, people used to say business is greedy. And I used to say, well, no, it's not. Capitalism is, is clearly the the best, you know, business form on the planet, it's led to more prosperity and better lives for more people than any other system. But I think we saw a lot of extremes in capitalism. And, and we saw crony capitalism from the government. We saw greedy capitalism from big business. And we're we're, you know, suffering all the consequences of that now in many ways. But the good news is, I'm seeing a real shift and I have been for almost a decade now, little by little you're seeing, you know, the, there's a great book out on the market called conscious capitalism and that whole move of, you know, things like companies that for every one pair of shoes they sell, they donate a pair, uh, companies really, really giving back to to their communities we're seeing more of that and that is such a positive sign that you know we maybe we hit that extreme and we're heading back towards the middle and and ultimately we'll probably go too far the other way at some point but that'll be years and years and years down the road so i'm pretty optimistic about you know our business environment in general in this country and somewhat in the world and and i'd like to make sure that you know our group here our tribe it gets that understand it, stands it and is kind of on the leading edge of it cuz it's still early so i love the fact that you brought this topic up it's a great one
3: um yes and and you know one of the things that that spurred this conversation was was hearing a lot of the stories about the the brokers you know one broker will offer a load a second broker will offer a load and They'll be totally different. Then you find out what the shipper really paid for it, you know, and they're lying to you, you know, that that's a part of that ethical business practice. You know, they're just straight up saying I'm all in at $800. When really they're getting paid 2000 to move it. And, you know, you're in a, you're in an area where it it deserves at least 1500, you know, and those, those types of things pit the, it makes the, the relationship between the carriers and the brokers that much worse. Just like the, the carrier that will play the broker, you know, say, Hey, I got the load. I'm going to go pick it up right now. And then never shows up because he didn't like the rate and he just wants right. to screw the guy over.
2: And we yeah, see a lot you know, of that. Absolutely. And, and let me, you know, when I, I've, and I've looked at broker, you know, business practices for years and years, I was a broker for a while. And I didn't like that side of the industry. And, and back then, I, I didn't know enough to realize that I didn't have to operate the way everybody else did. I could have operated differently, but I just didn't know enough back then. Now I do. And the way I see it, if I were ever to go back into brokering, which I won't, but if I did, I would adopt one of two business models. I would either adopt the model that says, look. I'm going to work more as an agent and I am going to set my percentage and work directly with some carriers as more of their sales agent. I'll go out and find your freight. You tell me what you like. I'll go work on it because that's my strength. I can go sell this stuff and we will negotiate a straight percentage. You'll see exactly what the shippers paying and I'll take my percentage. That That's one model that I would work under or. The other extreme that I would go to would be, you'll never hear the words out of my mouth. I'm all in or this is all I've, because I'm going to work on the other extreme. What I make is none of your business. And I don't mean that to be mean, but it, it just let's get rid of all that garbage because that's what leads to all the lying and then we're wondering who's telling the truth and who isn't. I would either work on the agent model with a straight percentage where I would work like any other business and just say, wait a minute, my profit is none of your business. I don't ask you how much you're making. I have freight to move and you tell me what you're willing to move it for because the carrier is the one that should be setting prices because they're the ones that are providing the service. You know, we don't walk into McDonald's and tell them how much we want to pay them for a Big Mac. We, sh- we should probably spend less time in McDonald's anyway, but we, we have it backwards and then everybody wants to know how much the broker is getting and, and that's, that shouldn't be how this works. That's what leads to all this anger and confusion and who's lying and who isn't. So I think I would go to one of the two extremes and again, stay out of that middle ground of, you know, the way it's working now. I, I just think it would be so much better you know, as a carrier, tell me what you're, what you need to get in this lane. If I have freight that that can pay that much and I can still make my profit, great. We have a, we have an agreement and we can do business. If not, no hard feelings. I mean, I don't get mad at Mercedes because their cars are more expensive than I want to pay for a vehicle. I I don't get upset with them. I just go find a vehicle that fits what I want to spend. Why don't we do that in, this whole freight thing. Why do we get mad at somebody because they're either not paying enough where the broker gets upset because the carrier says he wants too much. Why do we do that? You know, it's so it's a great topic. And I think we just need to make a huge mind shift in the way we look at this stuff.
3: Well, our initiative is, uh, is moving in the rate per mile masters group that Chad Boblet created, and it's really doing great and i'd love to see more of those conversations and i'd love to see more people focus on the ethical side of those disagreements and those conversations it would be wonderful
2: great great stuff good way to start the show we'll be right back stick around i'm kevin rothberg Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is let quick comment about ethics and kind of tie it into my open. You know, I believe really, I believe the best in people. I think most of us want to be ethical. We want to do the right thing. One of the things that gets in the way is when we feel like we're stressed, we're under pressure, we're out of time, which kind of describes most people in business in this country today. And going back to that theme I always talk about, counterintuitive thinking. When you are so busy and so stressed in business, you don't think you can squeeze in one more thing. That's when we start taking shortcuts that can start to border on unethical. And even though your intention isn't to be unethical, it will be perceived that way by other people. And there are other issues, but but that's a big one. And One of the things I found is even though I took time out of my day to eat better, shop better, and get more exercise, my productivity skyrocketed. So I I know that's a hard concept, but it really, really works. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's head off to uh, Arkansas this time. Jason, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking me on again. I appreciate it. Um, I, help you I with- called last week, if you remember, about my LLC, and I'm kind of disappointed today. Uh, the company that I was planning on using to finance my truck, had told me that you needed six months of driving experience, and uh, I found out today it's actually two years because of some something to do with insurance. Wow. So, you know, as I told you, um, I'm currently a company driver, uh, but I got really sick when I was 19 and, and I got hit with some medical bills. So I'm trying to fix my credit and get a truck at the same time, but on company driver pay, that's just not going to happen. So I was hoping for your input on, you know, what the best way to, what the best way for me to get a truck would be. Um uh, okay. my company has a purchase program and they swear that it's not a lease purchase, it's
2: just a purchase. Yeah, but here's the one question I want you to ask them. And this is a simple yes or no. And that is, will the title of the truck be in your name from day one? Because if it's not, then they can call it whatever they want. They can use whatever words they want. But it's still a lease or a rental agreement. The only time it's a true purchase is when the minute we sign the document, that title goes in your name. And if it doesn't, then all all bets are off for me. There's too much risk to get involved in a program where you have no ownership, no legal ownership of that equipment. So that, that is the question I would ask them. Now, I, I think I might have even talked a little bit about this last week. I, I, I get a lot of calls like this. The other thing is, I, you know, I talk a lot about there are lots of ways we screw up our credit. Medical being ec- absolutely one of the biggest in this country because our medical system's such a mess. But it, it, it's still. It's still important. Now, we don't. Here's the thing we don't know. If had you not had the medical problems, we don't know if you would have sterling credit and really good money management skills and money in the bank right now. Or if even without the medical, you may have ended up here anyway. Again, if we look at the averages, 90% of the people in this country really don't know how to manage money well. And that's not a criticism of the people. It's a criticism of our system. You know, we are, our government run indoctrinated school system that does nothing to teach us about the things that are really important in life, like health and fitness and relationships and money. You know, instead, we learned stuff that's so outdated in today's world that now don't get me started on that. So, you know, don't feel like you're alone. But my guess is that even without the medical, you may have been close to the same situation anyway. And that is one of the biggest reasons for failure in business is that people just weren't ready financially. And and most people say it's it's under capitalization. You don't have enough cash. I don't think that's true. I think, in fact, many people starting with a lot of cash screw up worse than people who have to scrimp and borrow money because they have access to all that money and they just blow right through it. So, I agree that financial issues are the biggest reason for failure, but I don't believe it's how much cash you have when you start. I believe it's how much knowledge you have around money and finances and, and how it affects business. Well, that's good news because money can be difficult to come by, but knowledge is free and it's everywhere. So, you know, based on our conversation last week and our conversation right now, I still think your best bet would be to just take a step back and be patient and go through some of the programs I talk about. Go through Dave, Dave Ramsey's money management stuff. You know, uh, he's got some really good Dave stuff. Ramsey? Dave Ramsey. Yeah. He's got uh, he's got a book called total money makeover and, and it really helps you right where you are right now whether you're totally broke and you know the your money runs out before the month is over which happens to a lot of people that's where he's going to help you then then the other book I want to recommend around money but it's not as important right now but it wouldn't be bad if you could be working on them both this is more of Is going to do you much good and it's uh by anthony robbins and it's called money uh master the game i believe but if you look up anthony robbins and money it's a new bestseller you'll, you'll come up with it it's available on audio i just checked this morning and and i'm also going to help you with some ideas about how to get into that first truck so i'm not totally saying you know, you're not ready. I'm not going to help you with that part. But my, my absolute best advice for you to have long-term success in this industry is to take a step back and start learning much more about managing money. And what you'll find then is you won't be begging these companies to finance you because my guess is that finance company that you were working with, did you a favor by sending you away? One, I don't think you're ready. And two, I'll bet their deal just sucked. Uh, most of the companies who are willing to lend who aren't ready are, are, in my opinion, somewhat predatory. Their rates are crazy, which just means you're going to have that much more trouble getting ahead because you're going to be paying too much money on financing. A lot of these third-party leasing companies are not only expensive, but the trucks they tend to get seem to be about the worst of the bunch. So I think it was a good thing that you didn't get financed. Now, let me give you what I consider to be the best way to get a truck and get into this industry. And it is having a minimum of 50% cash to buy the truck, preferably 100% cash. And I know that sounds crazy to most people, but we have to change our thinking because I have hundreds of stories of people who are in your position, no cash, bad credit, not making enough money, they thought, to ever save any money. And yet they read the book. They followed some of Dave Ramsey's advice on budgeting. They were patient. They started gaining knowledge while they were getting their, their finances in order. And I have just hundreds of stories who people that saved as much as $20,000 went out and bought a truck for cash, and they're just killing it today. I mean, they're, they are doing amazing. I, I've had, I've got one story a guy paid $4,000 for a truck, put another 5000 into it over time as he had the cash flow. He kept working as a company driver, had the truck sitting there, bought it for dirt and and put you know he had less than $10,000 into it when he got started he had a little over $9,000 total invested and in his first year as an owner operator he grossed over 200,000 and he netted over 80 which is a phenomenal story that that doesn't happen very often but that's possible i have hundreds of stories that people saved, you know, 50% bought a truck for $15,000 and made 65 or 70 in their first year. So it, it really is a much better way to go. So if you don't have my program yet, I highly recommend you get it because it will outline all the steps. It will give you a timeline. It will get you give you a checklist to work against. Um, everything is in there that you need. My program, I, I call it a book, but it's really a program. It's got audio, video, workbooks, checklists, everything. Along with good budgeting advice like Dave Ramsey stuff is the, the one-two punch to create a really successful long-term business for you. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right. Quick heads up. We are heading into the final segment. At the end of this segment, I will say I'm done. I'm out of here. I got to go. Uh, don't hang up. We'll come back and record another hour. And right now we are just loaded with questions. So if you're not already in the queue, I can tell you, you, you're not going to get through today. Um, the show is getting a lot more popular on the recorded hours. So it's starting to look like the, uh, the, the live show where people have been trying for months to get through. So what I recommend, um, when we send out that text, we usually send it out a half hour before you can call into the show 15 minutes prior, and it's getting to the point where you're going to need to probably get in in that first 15 minutes before we start the show and press one right away. Uh, good news for me. And I won't have to waste a lot of time asking for more questions, but, uh, that, that'll give you an idea of how to get in. Let's uh, go ahead and get back to it. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm gonna get right back to some phone calls. We are trucking down the road to Louisiana this time. Jim, look, welcome to the program.
5: Oh, Louisiana. Hey, how's it going, Kevin?
2: Good. Um,
5: your- yeah, I drove I drove through the uh Columbia Gorge. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful place to live.
2: Oh um, I, I- uh, Every morning I wake up and look out my windows. We're, we are right in what they call the heart of the gorge, a little town called Cascade Locks. You went right by us where I kind of oh, describe Cascade Locks right as. Yeah, it. I, I almost describe it as a rest area on steroids, because literally you can get off one exit off 84, drive right straight through town parallel to 84, just like a rest area. There isn't a single traffic light and you end up right back out on 84 again. I, that's our town. They truck parking on both sides of the street and nobody bothers you. Yeah. nice wide parking. Uh, just a beautiful place.
5: Yeah. Um, Kevin, the reason why I called you is because I wrote down some uh, some goals and I wanted to review them with you.
2: Excellent. Let's talk about it.
5: Yeah. All right. Let's start with the first one. Um. The first one is is to uh, lose 40 pounds by July 1st. It gives me four months. It's uh, basically 10 pounds per month, uh, and I broke it down to months, uh, basically uh, day, and even you know several times a day. Uh, exercise 30 minutes a day, and uh, and exercise three times for 10 minutes apiece. And I I think that really works for uh, hours of service because, you know, in the morning I can exercise for my half an hour break. I can exercise the other 10 minutes. And at the end of the day, I can exercise another 10 minutes. And, you know, what you've been saying about uh, exercise, it really does actually help with your uh, productivity.
2: You know, I I know, like I said, I don't want to become a fanatic about this because that's a quick way to turn people off. But but I have to really say that if If I could only give one piece of business advice, it would be to get healthy. just in general, just get healthier, get more active, eat better, and you will be amazed at what happens to your productivity. So I love the fact that your one of your goals and the one you're focusing on is built around health. The other stuff yeah. will happen. So, and I think you've put a good schedule on this the The weight loss is a little on the aggressive side, but Certainly doable. And the the only thing I say is if you're going to go after an aggressive goal like this, and that's me, I, I tend to overdo almost everything, even when I'm saying, you know, slow down, be patient. I tend to overdo everything. But what I'm learning now is if I overdo something, if I jump in with too big of a goal and I start to get frustrated about it, I used to just kind of quit, you know, thinking, oh, I screwed up. It was too big of a goal. You know, you're going to have to start over it. Now, all I do is say, wait a minute, if I'm feeling a little too much pressure, if this is feeling too hard, all I have to do is just back off. I mean, if, if, if I work out so hard one day and, and my heavy weight training, I do only do it every third day. So I don't have a, unfortunately, because we have a seven day week. It's hard to get into the right routine if you have to do it by the day. But if if you, I can't say I'm going to work out every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. It never works. So my workout routine is I work out hard for a short period of time. My aerobic is yeah. is what's called um, hit training, high intensity interval training. It only takes me 20 minutes to do my aerobic. My weight training is heavy weight and, and real strict um whole big muscle group movements deep squats deadlifts uh clean and press those kind of things because they hit a lot of muscles in a short period of time and if you're going to do that which i like because it, it takes a minimal amount of time and i get huge returns but your body literally needs 2 days of rest two full days so if i do a heavy workout on monday I need Tuesday and Wednesday off and I really shouldn't do that workout again till Thursday. Well, the good news right. is by, by the time Thursday comes, I'm looking forward to it. When I used to try to work out every day, you start dreading it. Oh my God, I got to go to the gym again today or I got to get out the weights. Right. And now, now I look forward to it. So, um, yeah. I,
5: I, go, uh, I go, I, I usually take like, uh, like, um, you know, it's a, a, I'll work out for like six days and have one day off on it and I alternate it. You know, if I'm going to be doing, uh, you know, lifting or something like that one day, it's going to be running the next day. And like the yeah. best day i I ever been in my life, I was like 187 pounds and I was in my thirties. Uh, that's basically my routine. Uh, the, the next goal I have is to, uh, basically pay up a $5,000 credit debt that I've actually had for years. Um, I save uh four hundred and twenty dollars, save hundred and five dollars per week because we get paid once a week. So and you know, pay that amount first to my savings account.
2: Outstanding. That, I, you know, get congratulations that, get that done by the sixteenth. Yeah, congratulations on setting some really good goals and then using good goal setting techniques which is what you've done you've set realistic goals realistic timelines broken it down so that you can track the progress i you get an a plus on this one because i i can't think of a way you could have done it better
5: yeah yeah the uh the next one is to get another job i know this is i'm, I'm stop me if i'm babbling on too long there's four goals here uh the next one is basically to, to move on to another trucking company and where i have it is a and basically re- review uh, line hauling, which I've never done line hauling. It's just been, you know, uh, reefers, um, you know, order my DAC report, correct my DAC report, apply online for the job, go to the, uh, the terminal and do the interview and, you know, hopefully get the job from Excellent. there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you so, a quick question. I have a lot of experience in this. When, when you say line haul, um, are you meaning like terminal to terminal?
5: Yeah, like, uh, well, it's like doubles and triples.
2: a similar company to uh, ABF. Yep, and and that was my business for decades. Pulled doubles for FedEx, uh, had multiple trucks over there, and we were point-to-point line haul. Um, I loved that work at the time uh, because it really fit my other objectives and my other goals. Now, prior to that, I had been over the road you know, wherever you go. And I liked that at the time because it was fun. I was a lot of things. It was different. I like variety. But Line Hall, for me, the biggest advantage was something I'm going to talk about this week on the health show, which is the the struggle to stay um, financially healthy and physically healthy. With our trucking lifestyle, there's no schedule. You're all over the board. It, it, it's so hard to get into a routine. You never know how much oh, yeah. money you're going to make. But in line haul, all of that changed. I had an absolute schedule. I know when I went to work. I know when I came home. I knew what days I worked, what days I didn't. And I knew exactly how much money I was going to make. And for me, yeah. Yeah. I, I I moved into that line haul because one of my other goals was starting another business, which was my accounting and tax service at the time. And had I been over the road, not going to say I couldn't have done it, but boy, it would have really been difficult. And being in that line haul environment really helped me focus on other areas of my life that I needed to get straight. So great stuff. I know you have one more, but I want to squeeze in at least one more call today. So Check in with me again uh, in the near future, and let's uh, check on the progress of those goals, and we'll talk about your other one. I think that's a good balance, too. Four goals, again, little aggressive, but if, as long as it's working for you, that's the real key to all this stuff. Let's go to Alabama. Wayne, welcome to the program.
6: Hey, Kevin. Uh, I'm pulling a 53-foot drive van, and uh, about all the freight I haul is like, Five feet off of the floor. I'm just wondering, would it be make any sense to design a trailer that after you got loaded, the you you could lower the top of the trailer down to fit the load? Would that save any on fuel? I don't think it would be that hard to do, and you know, a lot of these a lot of these trailers I see loaded are just you know. Five, six feet off the floor, you got a lot of wasted space. Would it make any sense to design something that's that's retractable up and down?
2: Wow. Uh, Uh, Well, let me first say that it's with all the ideas I've had over the years and even working on, you know, our signature trailer and some of the crazy ideas we have for that, this is an idea that has never occurred to me. But that there came is a
6: game uh, to me yeah. in a dream.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that. So let's talk about some of the advantages. One, you know, trailers are typically higher than the tractor, which means we right. have to be building the tractor up taller and taller to try to create a better front profile. So that's a problem. The next one is surface area in general. The more surface area we have on a vehicle, the more drag we create. So not only could we just lower the overall profile, but we would be literally cutting in half the entire surface area. We wouldn't have the downsides flat deck has because this would be enclosed. I mean, the idea is amazing. As far as how we could do it, would it be cost effective? I would have to do a lot of research, but that's the kind of research I love. So thanks for the idea. I'm putting it on my list, and uh, you might hear me talking about it in the near future. I'll give you all the credit for it, though. Thanks for joining me. I'm all out of time. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody, hold on real quick. I just wanted to make a couple of quick notes about Wayne's idea. And, oh, I was going to have Lisa get his information from him, but he looks like he hung up. So um, hopefully I'll be able to get back in touch with him because I do want to give him credit for anything that might come out of this. But uh, I guess we won't be able to get any information now. So let's go ahead and get started. Second hour of recording. Here we go.
1: Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond,
2: the show that puts the money where it belongs.
3: Back in your pocket.
2: Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rothford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show, it's all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and we answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started in the business, growing a fleet, getting your own authority, working with carriers, working with brokers, you name it. We'll tackle it here on the air. I've been doing this for uh, coming up on three decades now myself, and I love helping other people in the business. Now, we also expand out into other areas that I think are important to running a good business, critically important. In fact, one of the best ways that you can run a good business is just to be a better you. So we've been talking more about that and that encompasses so many things, your health, your fitness levels, your, your ethics and your knowledge. So, you know, this is still always going to be about trucking and business and all those questions we answer. But I like to start each show with some ideas on how to be better in so many ways. The last show, I talked uh, quite a bit about my overall thoughts on health, and I gave you some quick, quick ideas to start making some changes. And I just want to hit on those a little bit again, then we're going to get right to your phone calls. So the one thing I want to say when, when you start to make improvements in any area is don't do too much. I, I, I have a big problem with this. I can be an overachiever and I take on too big of a goal and then I get frustrated and I quit. And I've stopped doing that. And the results have been amazing. I do what works for me. I don't really care how, what anybody else thinks about my progress or my goal. I do what works for me. And if, if it starts to feel just too hard and I'm frustrated and I'm thinking about quitting, instead of quitting, I just back off. Just do a little less and then improve a little bit each day. So a couple of things I talked about, really, really simple. Um, if you do them right, and let's talk about the first one. One of the clear things we could do in this country to be healthier and feel better is to drink more water. When it comes right down to it, water is the only liquid you would ever need for the rest of your life. Everything else treated as optional. And I'm not telling you, you should only drink water. But if you did, you would be healthier and you would have more money because water is free. We could talk about water quality and some of those other things and filters. And we will talk about that on uh, our, our weekly podcast by Kim Cockerham called Destination Health. So on this show, I'll give you a couple quick little ideas to work on once in a while. On Destination Health, we, we get right down to the, to the meat of the issues and, and go into detail and, and give you background and answer your questions. If you want to know more about Destination Health and how you can join us for that show, it's on every Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern time. The schedule and the phone number to join us is on our website. It's letstruck.com. So just, but, but here's the thing, even something as simple as drinking more water, most people in this country are kind of addicted to other beverages. I know addicted is a strong word, but it's, it's the sugar in most other beverages that really kind of gets its hook into us. And it's also the sugar that is absolutely poisonous. Uh, Any sugar, no matter how natural they are, forget agave, agave should be banned. Uh, It's a 100% natural product, but you know what? So is heroin. Um, So most sugars are poison. We are so addicted to them that you really, really need to wean yourself off of them slowly. They are causing so many health problems. The big ones we hear about, you know, uh, uh, insulin, um, intolerance and insulin. There's another word I was looking for where, where your body just becomes, uh, the insulin doesn't work anymore. You, you build a tolerance to it and that leads to diabetes and heart problems and all kinds of things. But the other thing about sugar, it, it, it really wipes out your gut bacteria, which is where your immune system and everything else is. So don't overdo this, but if it take a look at what you drink in a day. And it doesn't matter what anybody else drinks, doesn't matter what the national averages are. Just look at what you're drinking in a day. And in the beginning, replace one whatever it is you drink, soda, diet soda, sports drinks, energy drinks, whatever it is, replace it with one water once a day. And and do that for a month. And then Up it a little bit, knock out two other beverages from your diet and replace it with water, Um, coffee and tea, both okay in moderation. In fact, both of them have lots of good things for you, but don't load them up with artificial creamers and sugars. Those, again, are virtually poison. So drink more water Um, slowly, whatever works for you. Get your gut healthy. You need a couple things. You need uh, fiber in your diet, probiotics in your diet, which you can get from things like good quality yogurts. Most of the commercial yogurts on our shelves are horrible. Um, You can get it from fermented vegetables, which are getting uh, more and more popular. Things like kimchi and real sauerkraut, nothing pasteurized. And the third thing you need to get a good, healthy gut is movement. And it, it can be just walking more often. Doesn't have to be anything drastic. Again, start really easy. Don't overdo it. Um, and then the third item, and, and don't do these all at once unless you, you think you can without being overwhelmed, is start, start weaning yourself slowly off of processed foods and processed sugars. That is the real killer in our American diet is processed foods. Um, this week on destination health, I have so many things I want to talk about with Kim. Uh, but one of them is the idea that, that we have believed for decades that salt leads to hypertension, high blood pressure, and it looks like they may have gotten this one wrong. Now I'm not telling everybody to go out and eat more salt, not at all. But I think you should be aware of some of the, the new research being done, good research, that it might not have been salt all these years that was the problem. And I'm going to talk about that in much more detail because high blood pressure is one of the huge problems in our industry. So with that said, let's get to some phone calls. Let's head off to Nebraska to get started. Al, welcome to the program. Hi, how you doing? Good. What can I help you with today?
1: Um, I guess I got a question on getting started. Uh, actually i purchased your program probably last September and I went through that and read and been, been kind of slowly, you know, looking into it, drive for a company. And, um, when I went to work for this company, we started off on, you know, percentage at 30, percent of the net was how we got paid. Well, I guess just recently they took us off of that, and changed us over to, uh, a mileage pay, straight mileage pay. So it's given me even more incentive to go out and buy my own truck so I can get back on percentage. Cause basically we took a cut in pay when we went to mileage.
0: Got so, it.
2: Okay. So where are we in the, in the process now? Cause I think this is a, a, a good idea. Um, you know, I know exactly why companies started switching to mileage pay because rates are going through the roof and there's yep. a lot of, profit in the freight and they would just rather stabilize their their payroll <laughs> yep. and keep the profit for themselves. So, yep. I, so I, I think it's a good move to get back into the game where you can take advantage because I don't see rates. I don't see anything on the horizon that's going to change this anytime soon. I mean, if you look at all the data in the industry, we have an aging driver population. Drivers die early. That's why we're talking about health so much lately. Um, we're not getting new people into the industry. The the so-called driver shortage that people have been arguing about, whether it really exists for the last 20 years, looks like it's going to go through the roof, um, which is good for you and I. We That right. puts us on a good side of the supply and demand curve. And the best way to take advantage of it is to be cashing in on some of those higher rates so I think it's a great idea kind of tell me where you are and and what's the next thing I can help you with
1: um well I guess I've uh I went out and I I've checked out different companies Landstar being one of them um just kind of look besides the company that I'm with um just just checked looked around I think that staying with staying with company that I'm with is probably not a bad move. They have a good program of 72 percent if you you know, if you own the tractor and eighty two percent if you own the tractor and the trailer of the gross good. revenue. And I have a very good. good idea what those revenues are being on percentage pay from before because of course they'd show us what the the net they'd show us what the net revenue was and then we'd get thirty percent of that.
2: Excellent. All right, so let me get to a break. And when I come back, I will address that and then we'll see where we need to go from here. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin rutherford Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is let I'm going to get back to, uh, Nebraska. Al, so, uh, I, one of the things that I, I really do like is when you are moving from a company driver to an owner operator, I really like sticking with a carrier if it's a good opportunity. And it sounds like yours is, um, you'll be yeah. able to take advantage of the freight rates again. Um, I love the fact that you can own a trailer. And even if you don't do it in the beginning, we know that it's a possibility and and that extra ten percent revenue, I, I've done the numbers on this many, many times. It only costs you about four percent to own a trailer. so the right. the minute people to buy a trailer, your net revenues go up about six percent, which is a, a huge improvement plus, all the benefits of owning your own trailer. You know what it's like to hook up to trailers that nobody takes care of. Nobody does a good pre or post trip on, you know, they're using the worst in the world, all that stuff. So plus you can keep it clean. I mean, we could go on and on. So I think that's a great opportunity. And the other advantage is, you know, the system, you know, the people, and you don't have to worry about learning everything over. You can focus on the business when you get started. So I always right. tell people, explore that possibility. Um, it doesn't yeah. mean you should really stay, but explore the possibility, which you've done. Right. It, and I would, unless you can find some big downside to doing it that way, I, I would say that's probably your best bet.
1: Yeah. One of my big ups with them, with staying on with them, was the fact of we did talk about Downtime and stuff on equipment. Like my equipment broke down, and they did tell me. Terminal manager did tell me. He says, "Well, you know, if we've got a truck available on the company side, if your truck goes down for some major reason, he says, "Uh, we can stick you back in one of our trucks." He said, "You'll just drop back down to the thirty percent of the net." He says, "We'll pay for the truck and the fuel and everything while your truck is down. You can drive one of ours." I said, "Well, that's kind of neat."
2: Oh, that's huge! Yeah, absolutely. See. This is, I, I just want to make a point here that you will hear people in the industry say, I would never lease my truck to a carrier who has company trucks. That That is a common theme I've been hearing in this industry for decades. And it, it's just not true across the board. It, there are companies with company trucks that I wouldn't lease to. There are also 100% owner-operator companies that I wouldn't lease to. But right. there's... Can be clear advantages, and that is a big one. A company that gives you an opportunity to say, "Hey, if something really goes wrong, you you, you, won't—you—you might have a big repair you got to cover, but you won't be sitting at home not making any money." God, I'd love that one. Yeah, that looks like a a great path for you.
1: So, (laughs) the the only downside to it is they started off at five years. They wanted a five-year or newer truck, and I've got them up to eight. Now, and they won't go any farther than that because they said with Kaiser and some of our flatbed operation, but with Kaiser and some of our other customers, I guess they need, they need me to be able to go into California. So they want a 2008 or newer.
2: Got it. Okay. And now, boy, I, you know, I was very, very excited about the opportunity. And <laughs> this is just now,
1: me. but, but right. let me I understand. Yeah, I don't want, it's not the truck. I understand the problems with it. My question was more on the specs of a truck, I guess, okay. was be more of a. I understand the problem with the, you know, with the, especially with the DPF filters. I mean, we have them and some of the trucks I've been driving, that's probably one of the biggest things we've had problems with is, uh, you know, is these DPF filters. So, yep. uh, you know, and they, they can, and they can be expensive, but. So anyway, so, I you know I understand. I would like to have gone that route and get older, and I and I still may when I get more experience under my belt and am able to run off somewhere like Landstar, who just basically bases on the condition of the truck.
2: Yeah, which I wish we could get the whole industry to do because it's so much better in, in so many ways. But let's talk about where you are, and, and okay. what I want to do is I want to help you with the specs. I, I want to give you another option that won't be easy. But if you could okay. pull it off would, would be the way I would go if I, I really wanted to take advantage of this opportunity. So if I had to buy a 2008 or newer, um, and I've done a lot of thinking about this and a lot of research, hands down, based on everything I've seen, all the reports I read about who's breaking down the most. It, it, and I just want to be clear. All these trucks break down. All these engines break down. They all have the same problems. But it's right. a matter of degree. Some are far worse than others, and year after year, I read the I read reports extensively about this stuff. If I had to buy a two thousand and eight or newer, and it couldn't be a glider, then I would be in a Cascadia with a DD fifteen and a thirteen speed manual transmission. I, I'm still I, I started on the auto shifts back in you know early early two thousands. And I liked them for a while, but they, they right now they are just adding to the complexity of an already complex truck. So now I'm as much as I liked some of the advantages of an auto shift, I need to simplify this truck as much as I possibly can. I I don't need more computers. I don't need more sensors. I don't need more electronics. So, uh, and I would go with the oldest truck they'll allow you. 2008 would be the year I would be looking at. Cascadia DD15, 13 speed manual transmission. The gear ratio, if you could find 355s, that's what I would be shooting for. But ultimately, over time, I would be changing them anyway. At some point right. in the plan, I would be going to a 279 or something like that. But in the beginning, the odds of you finding that are slim. So, and then everything else is kind of negotiable because not everything else could be changed and it's just not that important. So that that could be pretty simple. That would be my target truck. Just like, you know, I've got my my pre-emission target truck, early Volvo, you know, 12.7, 13 speed, all those things. This would be the truck I would be shooting for. And the good news is absolutely won't have to compromise. That truck exists all over the place. So you're going to be able to find lots of them to choose from. Then we go through a lot of the things I, I talk about in the book, um, you know, the inspections and the negotiation, right. that other stuff. So that mm-hmm. that's what I would be working on if I were you right now. The other
1: Okay. Option, I try to, try to stay at an 08, though you're saying? Try to stay as old as possible?
2: Yeah, and, and there's only one reason for that. Um, the the technology really hasn't improved. Um, you okay. know, the difference between an 08 and an 010, even before we get into SCR, they're no better. I mean, they, they really, because the, the OEMs didn't have time to get better. They had to start focusing on SCR and DEF. So nothing right. got improved moved on EGR and DPF. So to get started, I always like to spend the least amount of money possible. So the 08 is primarily going to be your best bet. And I don't care about mileage. Um, In some ways, high mileage trucks, if I'm looking for an 08, the higher the mileage, the better. I know that sounds crazy, but what it gives us, it gives us a history to look at. Yeah,
1: I get that, right. Been
2: troubled. Exactly. Yeah. So we have more information, and the higher the miles, the cheaper it's going to be. And that's what sure. we're shooting for. Now, sure. the next strategy I would work on, it, it's going okay. to be much more difficult, but if you could pull it off, it would be the way that I would do this. Uh, All right. I would be looking for a used glider and I would be putting a DPF on it. OK, that that is a, another possibility. Now, the reason really more difficult is because you've got to come up with some cash to get the truck and they're hard to find. That's going to make it a little more difficult. But right. seeing more and more of them on the market when I look hard. But then you've got right. that next DPF being 15,000 to put it on.
1: Right. So is, is now, that is that DPF? Now, is that something that is uh, is that something that California is still planning on? continuing to allow the aftermarket DPF installed? Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Companies are, okay. the companies that are out there are approved. Uh, you know, you could always check before you bought something to make sure that California absolutely says it's okay. But yeah, there's, there's nothing in the works uh, okay. that they're well, going to I know
1: some of these guys are on these permits that are, that are expiring, you
2: know, because of the age of the truck. Those are usually because they don't have a DPF at all that they, oh, they okay. exemptions and that kind of stuff to kind of ease everybody into this. But I haven't seen anything about them okay. changing the rules on the DPF. So right. if I could wave a magic wand, that's the scenario I would want used glider with yeah. the DPF. My second choice, much easier to pull off would be that, you know, older 08 higher mileage um with the dd15
1: sure all right kevin yeah that's a kind of it gives me a direction to go in you're right i have seen a lot of the cascadia's out there and actually that 355 seems to be the normal number on them just find the 13 speed my a lot of them seem to want to do the 10 speeds or the or the auto shift but yeah, and
2: real quick, why we want the 13 is because it gives us far more flexibility. At, at with 355 gears, if we try to run 55 in in 10th gear, it's a compromise. But on a 13-speed, okay. drop to 12 and run 55 and get killer fuel economy. And then if we need to go faster, 355s are good up over 70. So it gives us more flexibility. Love the way you're planning. You're asking good questions. Keep doing what you're doing. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. A couple things going on at Let's Truck. Our our podcast network is expanding. The shows are getting better all the time. You can find all the details about the shows right there on the homepage. Times and phone numbers and all that stuff. Uh, Also, our store is expanding. Uh, You hear us talking a lot about oil analysis and people don't know where to go. We've partnered with the best lab in the, actually the best lab in North America. And we've been working with them for years, but we are now carrying their oil sample kits right in our store. And uh, also OPS filters and products are there. The Maxwell engine Start module is there. We have a, a cool little pre-trip tool, and uh, my audio program about getting started is in there, the scan gauge. We really want to become that one stop, you know, where you can go for all the stuff that we've been recommending and the companies we've been working with for years. So check that out. And as always, if you have any questions, just give us a call. We, we have a great team. We refer to them as Tribe Care, uh, and, and we want to help you out. So that number is 855 800 Fuel. 855 800 Three I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to North Carolina. Steve, welcome to the program. It's your turn. Hi, Kevin. Good afternoon. What can I help you with today?
6: Yeah, I've got an old sample there uh, for you. All right. Looks like it's improving uh, some of the numbers that we've, you know, the fuel dilution is down to the green now. (laughs) That's an improvement. All right.
2: That's good. So while I'm pulling this up and taking a look at it, uh, give me a quick refresher. What year and what engine?
6: This is that, uh, 2000 Volvo Detroit 12 seven. That's that $10,000 truck. And, got it. Okay. Uh, down to three, down to three, two, the high was four, three, and it's come down steadily. Um, got about 12, I do about, uh, I've been changing the oil at about 12,000, uh, three, four hundred miles. Uh and so um, so yeah, I will be putting the OPS on either before or after the CMC, I'm not sure. I may wait for the CMC, maybe a deal there, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I was wondering, the one thing I heard you talking about earlier on oil sample, I've only got 12.3 on this oil sample, that's 3.2. Now, if I get the OPS and uh, go to 25,000, would that double the, the 6%? fuel dilution or with the fuel dilution? Be about the same. How do you, I mean, how does it
2: correlate to demolish? Yeah. Good question. And, and there's actually two issues here. Let's talk about if you didn't put the OPS on yet, what could happen? I don't ever see it correlate that directly. Like I never see it double. And I don't know why. I, I'm not exactly sure why that would be, but it doesn't. And, and it could be that a lot of the fuel dilution happens at idle. And many times, even though we, we go longer between changes, our, our idle time really doesn't go up. So you're at 3.2 now, which is a great sign. Um, it is only, you know, 12 and a half thousand miles or so, but that's still a really good direction. I, I, that's encouraging, and I, I would not go in and touch these injectors, because we're not seeing any downsides um your wear metals are extremely low so th- it, that's that's the beauty of oil analysis we know that there's a little bit of fuel in there but we also know it's not hurting anything at all so right. i would just let this ride you're in good shape now the question of would the ops um that would affect how much fuel is in there because we do the ops as the heating element that burns out some of the liquid contaminants so ah. it would, it will help keep fuel down some in the oil samples, which is a good thing. So it's very possible that you would go to 25,000 mile changes and your, your fuel dilution won't go up at all, and it might even go down a little.
6: Okay. Now, the oxidation is probably coming from blow by, I imagine. I'm, I'm a gallon every 5,500 miles over the average of the time I've had the truck, you know, 50,000 yep. miles.
2: That's exactly what it is, then. That that blow by is allowing more exhaust gases and and more air to get down in the combustion or in the uh, crankcase. And that's what oxidation is it's just the oil being exposed to the atmosphere and all those combustion gases. So, blow by will clearly raise oxidation. But again, we look at the other physical characteristics of the oil to see if the oxidation is causing a problem. And it's not. Your base is holding up beautifully. In fact, your base keeps going up. Are you using yeah. um the filters that add base?
6: Mm-hmm. Nope. Sure sure I'm not. Uh uh I was I was uh when I go to the OTS I was planning on using one of the lube finers uh and then one regular but uh yeah I no I haven't uh you I just been, I been,
0: I've
2: just been in the truck. I mean, that's been about it, you know, just, yeah. just babying the Go. truck. So, um, well, the other thing I, that's helping the base is the makeup oil, but that's a good sign because the oxidation really isn't hurting anything. Your soot levels are low, which is excellent. Wear metals are almost non-existent. So even though this sample has, you know, a lot of color in it, th- this is still a really good sample. I wouldn't change anything.
6: Okay, I will not on that. I've got one other uh, question comment. Uh, uh, you've been talking a lot lately about uh, about you know tax situations with uh, with retirement accounts, and yeah, I just yeah. wanted to throw out there what I use. I use what I call tax optimization. Um, it, I, I'm a former accountant, <laughs> so uh, tax with tax optimization. I look at the breaks in the tax. Code uh, for the different taxable incomes at eighteen thousand three hundred fifty, you go from ten percent up to fifteen. At uh, at at uh, seventy three thousand five hundred, you go from fifteen to twenty five. That's taxable income. That's like line fifty something on the back of the front page of the ten forty. And right. what I what I always utilize as far as uh, uh, my my situation uh, as far as uh, uh, putting money in either a a uh, tax deferred or a Roth is getting myself to make sure I'm below that 73500 five hundred, so I'm not paying twenty five percent plus five point eight North Carolina on the on the Roth money. So I'm doing yeah, I'll, I'll do a, I I'll make sure I stay below that seventy three five. So I may put some in the in the uh, tax deferred account and then some in the Roth account for that reason. And then uh, I'm gonna use the same uh, situation later on. When uh, when I retire, I'm going to use those those same. Uh, I'm going to have a, a big pile of money that is going to be taxable one day, but at that 15% break, I'm going to I'm going to move all the money I can at that point each year over from the taxable account to a ROP account and pay the 15%. So I'll be out of the future taxable. Uh, you know, when they raise them way up 20 years from now, you see what I mean? So I, uh, I do. <laughs> and if optimization is what I use, I, I say I want to use that break, and I don't want to pay above that 15% uh, bracket. And 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 uh, some people might, with, if they've stuck it all in a Roth, might be paying 25%. Yeah, you know, they may, may not be uh, yeah. picking up the 25% benefit. Yeah.
2: A- and, ab- uh, but
6: that's what I like.
2: Absolutely. And let me tell you, I can tell you're an accountant, or you're, you were in a prior life, because that that is spot on. Uh, absolutely getting down to really, really tweaking the system, which I love. And I, I hope at some point in the history of the show, we get to those kind of strategies because that yeah. that re- is good stuff. But boy, trying to just trying to get people to understand the difference between a Roth and, and get them to understand how the tax code actually works is, is a real struggle sometimes. But boy, you have got that one spot on. And that is a great strategy. So good stuff. And uh you call me once in a while. Let's talk about those kind of things on the air. That'll help people start to ease into those. You know, I I a lot of times I just I, I can't talk about that. I'll I'll lose people. But if I can have a conversation about it once in a while, I think it really helps. Let's uh let's head off to Wisconsin. Jared, welcome to the program.
3: Hey Kevin, I got a question for you about a glider i bought from iowa okay. um i just cannot get any fuel mileage out of it and i have heard on your program several different people having kind of the same issues so i was hoping you'd give me some insight
2: yeah i can give you the best insight i have right now um and i actually have somebody very, very qualified working on this problem. And let let me give you the history. We had one truck come to us that, and I've been saying for years, bring me a pre-emission truck and we'll figure out why it doesn't get good fuel economy. I've been doing it forever. We have great success. And yet this truck, I went through everything over several months um, we got it into Pittsburgh Power. They went through it like crazy. We got it up, you know, from low fives into like mid sixes, I think. But it was still way short of what it should have been based on the upgrades and the modifications and other things. So then we got another one. And then we, we really started digging. And I think we're on the right track. We just don't have all the answers yet. And uh, actually... Bruce Mallinson's gonna be joining us and uh, he might be able to weigh in on this as well. Stick around, we'll be right back with Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment and boy, we just hit a good topic to talk about and great timing. We're also bringing on somebody who can help us with this topic, which is Bruce Mallinson from Pittsburgh power. And I have a feeling we're going to run out of time on the show, but maybe we'll continue it uh, on the next show. Uh, Bruce, welcome to the program. And and you must've been reading my mind. I was just thinking about you. <laughs> Well, that's
7: because we just finished the owner operator snowmobile conference.
2: Yeah, I know. I one of these years, yeah, we, you know, I've got to get had out a there. Great
7: time, great snow, and you really need to come and watch your friend Aaron ride because he'll make you gasp. You should take a several million dollar life insurance policy out on that young man.
2: <laughs> you know, he Aaron is, is uh, Aaron is good at is so good. many things that you know. I have to believe he, he grew up. Uh, on snowmobiles. His dad owns a snowmobile shop. So I have to imagine he's a joy to watch.
7: He can dance. He He can dance
2: with the snowmobile. He tells me you can give him a
7: run though. Oh, we, uh, for my age, I don't do too bad. Not too bad. So, uh, and it's, I still enjoy it. So it's, it's a great thing it's a great time. It's a lot of fun spending, time like that with owner operators away from the truck even though we talk trucks all evening long and during dinner and during breakfast it's still it's a lot of fun to get the man from the truck and being enjoying some another aspect of life
2: yeah yeah i'll bet no question hey i know you probably had something you wanted to talk about but um this issue with the 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 gliders, um, primarily coming out of one company that I, and I don't want to give them a black eye over this yet because I, I really don't know what's going on, but you guys have had at least one of them into your shop that I worked on really hard. You guys did a lot of work on it. We made some improvements, but we never got it where we really wanted it. And I've got another one on the line right now. Same thing. He's in the, you know, five mile to the gallon range, which just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I don't know if you've talked to Jeff Zarley lately, but let me tell you what he thinks might be happening, and he's doing a lot more work on it. He believes that because of this huge demand for 12-7 engines, that parts are getting harder to come by, and that, that some of these shops seem to be mixing and matching components that shouldn't be put together. Uh, injectors, cams, all kinds of different parts, things from the marine side, and he just feels like we're we're getting enough components mismatched that the engine's running, and we're not seeing any obvious problems, but it's just not running the way it should. What do you think about all this
7: well you know there are several different d deck fours a D deck four he, that- is not a D deck four, there's an MK, a beak. And we're finding some are better than the others. And yes, there is a shortage of parts right now. There are no Detroit injectors and no Detroit cylinder kits or rebuild kits.
2: Wow. That's we're scary. Building,
7: we're building two right now. So, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but a company called Mala. It's a German owned company. They're, they do have a plant in Detroit. They make all the Cummins cats in Detroit steel top pistons, not the aluminum, but the steel piston, which just about every engine has now. And so we're buying parts directly from them or, or we can't build engines.
2: Well, and, you know, just as a question, cause I talked about this a little the other day, I, I absolutely love the twelve seven, hands down my favorite engine, but is it, is it easier to get parts and are we seeing better supply on cats or is it, are we fighting the same thing with the cat engine as well?
7: Well, trying to get a Z cat core is uh very hard to do. We have, we're buying the complete trucks. Now we just bought one in Mississippi to get the engine and transmission. Now we have to go get it.
0: Yeah. So yeah. When, you,
7: when you take the price of an engine and, and to build to build one the way we build, we tell people it's like thirty five thousand dollars.
2: Right. And
7: people shun at that and plus the core. So we've been yeah. getting prices on cat cores as high as twelve thousand. So we gotta wow. find them for eight, eight to nine thousand. Yeah. The six N Z is the hottest thing out there now for Peter Bilt and Kenworth gliders. So trying to yeah. find the core is a problem. And The other thing is, uh, a friend of mine from the snowmobile conference, unfortunately, he broke down in Denver and had Detroit rebuild his engine, and it did not make it one trip, and they had to do it again. He was down for something like six weeks for an in-chassis with a clutch, $29,000, a 15-liter D-deck 4, $29,000 in-chassis with a clutch and a bull gear so we're going to complete out of chassis and we're doing uh, whenever we magnaflux the block magnaflux the crank line bore the block surface the block square the block counterboard the block polish magnaflux and straighten the crankshaft and balance the rods and balance the pistons because when you get six connecting rods now from the OEM, you might get Two from Singapore, two from Mexico, and two from China. And the weights are different. So we balance every one of them.
2: Hey, Bruce, you just gave me a really good idea, though. Um, You obviously know all that stuff you're just talking about, which almost everything you just mentioned is something. Those are things that never get done on most in-frames or out-of-frames. I mean, most people are just not doing that kind of stuff. And it, it's amazing stuff. It was what you helped us build our first signature engine. And if you remember, we did a really good video about that. And and people love that video. And, and we stopped kind of producing it because of just cost and mailing and all that other stuff. But I, I think I want to go back and grab that video. And we should. Um, what do you think about you and I doing a little, maybe like a webinar, kind of a recorded um thing where the video will be a part of it, and we'll talk about those processes. And I think that would be a great education for people.
7: I think we should make a new video because a lot of things have changed since then. And we could do we, that. We, with our engineers, we have the capability of making that video. And someday you just need to fly into Pittsburgh, and I'll pick you up at the airport, and let's do it.
2: Let's just set a date. And you know what? I'm heading to the East Coast and we're going to be there a while with Louisville coming up. And then, you know, here's probably the best time when we finish Louisville, we're not coming home because the, you know, we really only have April and then May, the beginning of May is the CMC. Why don't we just plan on me coming to Pittsburgh right after or or soon after Louisville? And we'll do that. We'll come in and make some really cool videos like that.
7: Mm-hmm. I have commitments. I don't come, I don't get back until Pittsburgh, you know, I kind of semi-retire in the winter here.
2: Okay. Um, Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about that. You and I off the air, because I think we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll work on our schedules and we'll figure out when we can do that. And if I have to fly in some other time, I will. So let me ask. The 9th of April
6: would
7: be perfect. April. Um, Okay. Go ahead.
2: So what about just kind of reaching here to give people more options? What about building N14s right now, running into the same stuff? No, no problems there. You know, that's a rock solid engine, you know, certainly nothing wrong with an N14. And if, if we focused on, you know, building a really good N14 the way we've been with the Cats and the Detroits, I think you'd still have a great glider. Do you know
7: why Cummins stopped the N14? Uh,
2: no. Why?
7: Because you can't get to the higher injection pressures that the government wanted with a push rod engine, so that's why they had to go to the overhead cam. Do you know why Cummins did not build the D-DEC 4 whenever it was designed in Columbus, Indiana? Because they were no. very happy with the N14. So the engineer, and he was a KTA engineer. He went on with John Deere, and John Deere then decided not to get involved, and then it went on to Penske. But that the D Deck four was designed at Cummins. Wow, that's so that's the, the N fourteen. Oh yeah, I thought I told you that.
0: Yeah.
7: That's where the D Deck four actually came from. The Cummins well, was said- very happy with the N fourteen. Now, the N-14 is the longest-lived engine ever produced, diesel engine. It will put out the, the most miles. I'm not saying miles per gallon. I'm saying right. miles between rebuilds. Charles That's Bradshaw a- out of North of South Carolina a couple of years ago hit 2 million miles on, I think he put a one head gasket and a set of injectors and a set of bearings. Wow. The N-14, he was... 2 million miles on the original cylinder kits.
2: Well, then I think uh, another project is you and I sitting down and, and designing a, a just a killer glider with the right gears, the right specs, and the right build on an N14. Um, so, boy, I knew this was going to happen. I knew we were going to run out of time. Hey, Jared, you know, that's kind of what we have right now. We think that the problem on these gliders that are getting poor mileage is mismatched parts. You know, Bruce was just telling us all the different D deck fours, and we're thinking that they're getting enough parts mixed up in there that it's just not running right, and, and there's not one thing we can point to. And that's really all, all we have on that right now. So we'll keep you updated. I've got to get out of here. Thanks for joining me. Be safe, be profitable do the hard work and master the journey i'm kevin rutherford